Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Bowler coming up here momentarily. We'll ask him about the latest, uh, what's going on with the NBA and the players um, doing whatever it is the players are doing, trying to discuss whether or not they're comfortable with coming back. We've had some uh, several conflicting reports on that today. But let's uh, get out to the Sprint special guest line, Sprint. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, the television voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowler Jack with us. Lisa's pet name for me is Bowler. What's happening, Bowler? Jake, how are you? Gordon, how are you? Doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Are you, are you still bunkered, uh, hunkered and bunked down at, at home? I am. Yes, I am. Uh, I do get outside uh, on occasion and ride and bike and whatnot, but uh, trying to be careful about uh, the work exposure. Gotcha. I understand. Are you trying to work on the suntan? <laughs> no, I haven't done that. <laughs> but you probably got some sun out on the North 40. Uh, on the North or, 40. I tr- yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm heading back up there tomorrow. So All right. just got to... Got to change the scenery up a little bit, Jake. You know, guys, yeah. got to just do it. And now I just understand there's a fire north of Midway, so that's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's not mm. good. Not May, at all. May twelfth in our first uh, our first fire of the sea of the fire season. So, well, what else? We uh, we just uh, had a story on my not sports report about a guy who was going to climb Mount Everest, and because they closed the mountain down, he uh, he decided to climb his steps in his apartment building to oh, wow. for the equivalent of what it would be to climb Mount Everest uh, six thousand five hundred and so times up and down the steps. So I was wondering, have you done anything that would approach that kind of achievement? <laughs> you know, in high school, I do remember our coach was a crazed man about running stairs, but. Not six thousand plus times. No, <laughs> no way. I hated climbing and running stairs. Oh, that was brutal. Let's do it again. I can hear it. It echoes in my head right now. And let's do it again. It doesn't feel good. No, it does not. <laughs> the, old, but, uh, the old thighs were burning, huh? Oh, they they burn good. Yeah, those are memories that are seared in my my memory. Let me ask though. I mean, so I mean, you climb Mount Everest, but is he replicating no oxygen or is he wearing a tank? I mean, what, what how's that working? <laughs> See, that was the question I had. There weren't any he had the air conditioning on maybe, but there weren't, <laughs> there weren't yeah. blizzards blowing through. I didn't think so. No no weather change or, you know, you run across the abdominal abdominal snowman or Bigfoot, whatever that is. So, uh, no, that's that's. I mean, I, I I applaud him for trying to replicate the the climb, but it still would never replicate replicate what actually you go through up there. My gosh, can imagine <laughs> oxygen. Now he's just you know, Bullard. Uh, he did it for a good cause, so that was he good. earned money for healthcare workers, great and whatnot. But but I'm just wondering. Do you have the motivation? Would you have any cause to want to go climb a mountain? I mean, a big mountain like that. A big mountain. If I was maybe 45 years younger and had knees, <laughs> I would maybe ponder it, but then probably say no. Uh, but, oh, my gosh. You have to be elite. And those who aren't, 
Right, Jake? I mean, you hear the stories all the time, but you barely get past base camp. I mean, you get, uh, you know, altitude sickness, and, you, and, and many don't make it. And they leave you on the trail, they found out, right? When they were cleaning up the trail, they found, you know, discarded bodies and, and you know, all sorts of things that had to be had to be brought down off the mountaintop. I mean, it's, oh, man, amazing. I, because, I, because it's there. Because it's there. Mm-hmm. Greg Bowler, Jack, with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler, uh, today's kind of been a, a weird news day because there's been conflicting reports about what communication is taking place amongst players. Uh, Woj Narowski uh, talked about how it was a text from union reps where they were just going to get a yes or no answer from players if they wanted to return. Uh, then there's been other reports about how it's a council of players. And anyway, who knows uh, what exactly it is, but it sounds like players are communicating. Do you think players would be eager to return or most players would be eager to return and play out the part of the season or the playoffs? Boy, Jake, I tell you, that's really the big question. I think to answer it simply, they want to play. But then to take it to the next level is, how will you do it, and what guarantees can you guarantee me and my family if you know I'm going to be sequestered for two months? Are they going to come along, or am I? I, I mean, there's a lot of things, uh, Jake, that I think this still has to be worked out. One baby step, and it's a small step. The Jazz actually had a few players in yesterday, unnamed, unnumbered, to work out for the first time and so that's that's the first step right to open the door but i think there's a lot of players that have made comments that you know the family is a concerning part of this equation uh how do they play into this and are they going to be away for a month and a half or two if you get to the finals and how how is it supposed to all play on what about testing on a daily basis and you know how can the league guarantee you know that the bubble isn't broken that somebody either enters or or leaves that alleged uh, clean zone uh and and it's it's not broken i don't know it sounds a, a monumental task and if adam silver can find a way to pull it off and the other part of it too is to convince the union the players union but I think it goes for a vote. I mean, I would think it would. Would you not, guys? I mean, I yeah. think I would want my voice heard if I was an NBA player, NFL player, uh, that that would be part of my right to, to take a vote. But then again, if you vote no, are there repercussions? I mean, there's a lot of things to work out here. Jake brought up a good point, uh, Bowler, earlier about the salary cap issues and uh, how much how much money that could end up costing the players over the long run. Yeah, I mean, you know, they share revenue, and um, you know, and that basically, Jake, you're right. I mean, let's do simple math. The la- the lack of revenue decreases the salary cap. What if you're in a contract year, right. and all of a sudden? the cap becomes your worst enemy uh, besides the coronavirus uh, because, you know, there's just – there's no play, there's no tickets, there's no concessions. Um, you know, the only thing that I think the league is trying to bank on right now is actually trying to recover, you know, television – network television revenue. Uh, personally, this is just me. I've been told n- yes – not yes or no, but I just don't see how they can accommodate <clears throat> 30 teams – 
and local broadcasts at this particular time. Uh, in the in the two scenarios that they're talking about, Vegas and Orlando, uh, which is upsetting because I want to work, but I also understand you know the networks carry the uh, the bale of money that they hand out, and it's an, it's a it's an impressive amount, you know. Uh, so that's where I think again Adam Silver, as a businessman, is trying to again uh, allow ownership and players to earn some of these losses back which would then most likely help elevate the cap in the long run. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a monumental task. And even though baseball is trying to edge closer to it, um, it's going to be difficult without, you know, arenas filled. And I hope one day soon we get back to that because fans deserve it, but it has to be safe. And I know some people feel the opposite, run and go. And I was thinking today, guys, I don't know if you agree with me, you know, when you're a kid and you're at the swimming pool on a hot summer day and you take your first jump off the high dive and it just takes about 10 minutes for you to convince yourself to do it and then you finally jump and you're still scared, but you hit the water and you don't know, you know, really how it's going to feel. And I kind of, I know it's a bad analogy, but I was thinking about it today is just who's going to actually be the first guy up on the high board? You know, who, who's going to just say, let's, who's going to jump? And man, that's rough. Because it's scary up there. And I, I think, to me, whoever makes that decision takes chances, and that may percolate throughout the rest of professional amateur athletics on whoever makes the jump and how it turns out. I mean, that's the best analogy I can make, I guess, on just a – I don't know why I was thinking about it today, because I thought about going to the pool, and I can't. <laughs> so, uh, But that high dive, I never forget the first time I went. It was as fearful as could be. Finally, you go and you feel like, hey, that's great, but you still don't know what it's going to feel like when you land. And did you do it like a cannonball, or what were you? You know, I think I did what what, what do you call it? The pencil. You just kind of go. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to jump, you know, and then just hopefully don't break my feet. I, we where I grew up, we had one of those high dives that should never have been there. I mean, I don't know why it was like Acapulco, New Mexico. Mexico. <laughs> you know, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Did you have to wait for the tide to yeah, come in? Yeah, I was waiting for the tide to come in. Like, hey, is the wind blowing? You know, Jake is like, good golly. And I'm looking around. The, everyone stares at you, too, on the high dive. And it's, like, really intimidating. And then, of course, uh, you see the lifeguard over there waiting to jump in to save you. And that really makes it a fun, <clears throat> fun, relaxing experience. Bowler, you remember when we uh, forced Kevin Graham to jump off the yes. high dive? And that, uh, <laughs> what, was that? what was he wearing? He's some sort of teddy or something? He was wearing a, uh, believe a, a latex teddy um, <laughs> <laughs> that he picked up at a local uh, novelty store. Yeah. Oh, the good old were, days, huh? Were, weren't your kids there or something? Didn't they witness Yeah, they it? drove by. I think DJ just got his license, and so everyone hopped in his car, and they went by <laughs> to see it, and he did it, man. And we had him on mic, remember? Jake, this is ridiculous, and I tell you, I feel really bad. In fact, I should probably go counsel with uh, with him about doing that to him. But we we put him through a week of hell. We really did. Oh my gosh! And he did it. He was he was a champ. He was a champ. Good radio, though. Good radio. It was good radio, and I, I remember well because I was I was producing DJ and PK at the time, uh, and I don't think we could get away with that now. No, 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 no. no, no different time, that. different place. Yeah, yeah, different time, different place. Yeah. But, you know, get back to your original question. I, I mean, I just hope, you know, that, again, uh, if someone makes a bold move 
that they have as much information they possibly can because I hate to see this come back and we have to start all over again. But, uh, you know, more people I talk to, I think there's, there's angst and they just have a feeling of, well, when? And, I, I, you know, no one has a true answer to it. They really don't um, until maybe the vaccine is available, and that could be months, even into a year. And to me, that's that's a scary thought if we keep fans uh, out of arenas and how that impacts ownership groups around uh, the NBA and obviously the uh, NFL and Major League Baseball, hockey, et cetera, and college football. I mean, my goodness, you know, camp's not far away, and most guys are, you know, school would be out in a week or two, and they'd start working out on their own and then hit camp in late July, and then you're playing football by the end of August. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Bowler Jake and I were just discussing off air that um, L.A. County has just essentially said that they're keeping everything shut down through July. Mm-hmm. I just read that myself. Uh-huh. And wasn't L.A. County the one, two guys who said they didn't expect to have anyone in an arena or a stadium until 2021? Uh, the governor said that. Uh, the governor. Some, yeah, yeah, California. That's, that's bold. Uh, and, you know, he's obviously trying to work uh, with what's happening there. I think the big argument is for a lot of people, and I don't want politics, I, but it's still the topic because it impacts the sports that we love. But it is a political decision in a lot of ways, which I don't like to dive into. But some states are different than others. You know, some are more rural. Others are more obviously heavily heavily populated where uh, that means you're obviously going to be um, more likely in a closed environment to be more um, to be affected, uh, infected. And so, I mean, everyone's trying to use these different, you know, models of how it's going to work. But, you know, again, this is a, a territory that you just never, you, you rarely ever pass through. 1918 is a long time ago. And, you know, I know they've had other SARS and all these things, but this one is one that really is, is troublesome. You know, it's troublesome. And, uh, you know what, I, I don't know. If, if, if you could get the Lakers and the Kings and obviously they're, you know, in Sacramento, but, you know, and, and the Clippers, do they play somewhere else if the league goes? You know, do they come to – do they play at the Huntsman Center? I mean, I don't know. I mean, those are all outside-the-box thoughts, but if the league is going to play, they may have to – this may have to be really done with some ingenuity and and uh, kind of, you know, go outside the box, not a little but a lot. Bowler, what did you think about the latest two installments into the uh, Michael Jordan docu-series? They got into his uh, his relationship with his dad a little bit more in that tragic tragic situation, but also his relationship uh, with his teammates and uh, was not always such a positive thing. And uh, you yeah. know, the Steve Kerr punch and all that. But what are you taking away from the latest two episodes? Well, I was in, I was very intrigued with this one because again they mentioned it, which I'm glad they did. The, con- the alleged conspiracy theories that we've all heard with Michael's gambling problems and the passing of his father—I mean, murdered, shot in the chest—and then the oddity of just not being reported missing and the car was miles away or the body was miles away from from where they found the bo- uh, the uh, the car stripped. The whole thing is is just a bizarre moment in obviously Jordan's life and in sports history. I don't know. 
what the answer is, but it's intriguing to me. Um, I just what saw the other day or yesterday that they're auctioning off uh, from the Trump Casino. And was it Indiana? A signed uh, check for $15,000 to the casino by Michael Jordan. Uh, his signature's there. So we know that he liked to gamble, and he know, we know he liked to, you know, as he said it, I think himself, I'm paraphrasing that I'm going to own you, in the sense of even tossing quarters to the wall or coming up. Uh, Will Purdue said, why do you want to play dollar blackjack with this? Because I want your money. Really, really intriguing psychological profile of this guy. Um, was he competitive? I thought Stockton was competitive. You know, I called him just the quiet assassin because he, he would just he would love to just beat you. And we heard stories about that. And uh, But this is a different level. And I don't know what drives it. Was it the uh, he wanted his father's you know, appreciation and love, which obviously came, but it was uh, really, it's been an impactful, you know, eight hours. And the final two really are going to intrigue me how deep they dive into the jazz. I know Stockton agreed to finally uh, discuss and talk about the the two title runs. So that's going to really be something on Sunday. I would have to assume that the jazz will play as major a role as anybody does, uh, because it is all about Michael. So uh, the Jazz will be, uh, I imagine, prominent uh, in, in these uh, next two, which might be the most interesting of all, even though we know how it all turns out. Right. You guys- well, do you think? Do you think he would have responded well to to Jordan's uh, challenging, kind of in your face, uh, uh, kind of ridiculing his yeah, uh, yeah. his teammates? No, would you? No, how would you have responded no. to that, Bull? No, no. I, I, I know that his greatness can intimidate, and but at the same time, you know, uh, I, I think personally enough's enough that he eggs you on enough to want to fight or to at least attack and to show that you're competitive. Now, others may be shyer. Others may just say, look, I'm not going to drop myself to that level or dummy down to it. But uh, I think most just say that's enough. You know, I know you're, you know, and I think some of the, his t- opponents, and there was a list of players he doesn't like, mainly because they challenged him back. Gary Payton, Isaiah Thomas, look, not shaking his hand was you know, pretty low rent. But that's in the heat of the moment, I can probably understand it. And, you know, most of those guys on the Pistons probably may regret it. But in some, I bet Lambeer probably doesn't. But because what I've what I've noticed in the in the eight hours thus far is there is a, don't you guys agree? There there is a constant here, intimidation, and letting people know that he is the one, the best. And if you challenge him, then he will prove to you next time that you did him wrong. You know, I was at the I was at the uh, Hall of Fame speech, and I got to be honest, I was shocked. As I sat there listening, uh, Stock and Malone go in, and Jordan steps up, and it, he berated most many people that really helped him become a great, great player. And I just thought it was by far not the place or the time uh, to to make those comments. But at the same time, I guess it was a competitive nature that he had to prove that what happened to him, he decided to walk over people to be the absolute best. Now, his talent level is off the, off the chart. There's no doubt. But there's something there about why he was never satisfied and what it took him to be angry 
uh, to achieve the greatness that he had that he did. He has the physical uh, attributes, all the ability that God could give, but also mentally, there's an interesting side there. You know, he played angry more than I thought. And you know what, Gordon Jakey, and I, I'm not. I'm just saying the only guy I can think of in the league today that maybe plays that angry is Westbrook. Um, it sets him off, and it makes him, I guess, in his mind, play better. But Jordan had to have fuel. I think you see this in this in this documentary uh, docu series that he had to have someone to upset him to continue to drive him because he was so dominant. Bowler, as always, thank you very much for dropping by the show, uh, and hopefully, you know, things with that fire up there in Midway, hopefully everything will be all right. Thanks, guys. You know what, I'm, Jake, I'm sorry, man. That, that was a heavy conversation today. Oh, I, li- I like it. It was great. It was terrific. It was, it was heavy. Terrific. It was a little heavy, but it's heavy times, man. It is. It is. You guys be safe and talk to you next week. Back at you, right, Bowler. Bowler. There's uh, Craig Bowlerjack with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah, I don't think Bowler would uh, would respond well to because uh, uh, I mean, and a lot of people are that way. They're competitive people themselves, and they 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 don't want to be challenged that way. They they don't want to be intimidated or uh, they don't want fear to come into the equation. They just want to go out and give it all on the court, on the diamond, on the field. You know, but uh, that was the way Jordan was. That's controversial, Gordon. Uh, nobody likes getting punched in the face, huh? Yeah, nobody enjoys I, that. You know, some people seem to be able to tolerate uh, tolerate it, maybe a little better than others. Uh, I don't think he went around punching everybody, but he certainly did get get after everybody, and you know that's one way of doing it, not the only way. You know what I like from my work environment? Getting punched in the face from time to time really motivates you. <laughs> okay, I'll remember that. It, it really, uh, you know, snaps you too, gets the best out of you. It's my favorite uh, energy drink flavor, punched in the face. <laughs> All right. We've Wake got, you up. 